Hi everybody, it's Derek, and this is And That's The Way It Was for April 24th, 2018. We've got a special treat today. Uh, we've got a guest. I know it's always a, a welcome <laughs> welcome change when you don't have to just listen to me talk for an hour. Uh, but we have a very special guest actually today. We've got uh, Dan, or Twitter user Dank Metal, at uh, D-A-N-K-M-T-L. Uh, for those of you who are extremely online, like me, uh, you know Dan as the uh, master of the biting uh, response. <laughs> He's very good at actually at uh, responding to gas bags on Twitter and, and puncturing them uh, pretty harshly. Uh, but that's not why I asked him here uh, on the show today. He Dan is actually uh, very knowledgeable. I, I, I don't want to uh dox him basically so i'm not gonna i'm just gonna call him dan you'll have to deal with that i'll put a link to his twitter account in the show description uh but dan is actually very knowledgeable about armenia uh and uh so i wanted to have him on to talk about uh, armenia stuff uh, i know there's a lot of news happening in armenia right now there are protests and uh we will try to get to that by the end of the interview, I think we'll have a little bit of time at the end to talk about that. I asked Dan weeks ago if he would be willing to come on, and so we didn't plan anything around uh, the the protest and Sir Sargzion's decision to remain in power until he dies, basically. Um, so what I actually asked him on to talk about are Armenian communities in the Middle East. And uh, we're going to go back and dig deep into the history and explain why there are so many Armenian communities around the Middle East. Uh, we're going to talk about the Armenian role kind of in Middle Eastern history here and there. Uh, as somebody who studied Middle Eastern history, you kind of encounter the Armenians in different times and places. And they just kind of pop in and out of the, the main narrative. So I'm excited to talk to somebody who knows more about what they were doing from the Armenian perspective and, and not just from the sort of Middle Eastern history perspective. Uh, we will definitely get into the Armenian genocide uh, during the Ottoman period and the ramifications that it still has to the present day. Uh, and as I say, with the, whatever time we have left at the end, uh, we'll touch on uh, the news that's coming out of Armenia. Uh, even as we speak, there were some more developments today, uh, major protests. I, I hope uh, if things go okay and he, he is willing to do it, that I can have Dan back to actually talk about Armenia at some point, uh, but, you know, in, in a more historic sense. Uh, but for today, we're going to focus primarily on Armenians in the Middle East through history and up to the present day, uh, you know, how they're reacting to things like the Syrian civil war and the other conflicts across the region. And then with a little bit of time at the end, hopefully we'll talk about uh, the very current news in Armenia itself. So with that said, uh, let's go to the interview. Hey guys, it's Derek. I'm just breaking in here before we start the interview uh, with a little update. Uh, Dan and I recorded this interview on April 22nd, Sunday. Uh, and you'll know, you'll notice uh, when you get to the end of it, we talk about uh, the protests that have uh, been kind of gripping Armenia lately against uh, Serge Sarkisian, uh, the uh, 
ex-president of Armenia who uh, was term limited. He couldn't run for another term as president. So he decided to uh, push through a, a dramatic constitutional change that, that shifted Armenia from a presidential republic to a parliamentary re republic where the presidency is very uh, sort of a ceremonial and uh, the real power lies with the office of prime minister. He then uh, you know, kind of <laughs> maneuvered himself into the office of prime minister uh, to retain his hold on power. That triggered days and days of protests uh, that may still be ongoing, actually. But the, the reason that I'm breaking in here uh, before we start the interview is that, uh, Sarkisian, this is April 23rd, and I'm undecided whether I'm going to post this interview tonight or wait until tomorrow in the usual Tuesday uh, slot. Uh, but uh, as of this morning, Sarkisian resigned, well, uh, you know, middle of the day in Armenia, I guess. But as of today, let's say, uh, Sarkisian resigned as prime minister in the face of the protests. Uh, there were signs that things were going very badly for him. Uh, for one thing, all his efforts to repress the protests weren't working. For another thing, there were reports uh, that I woke up to this morning that uh, people were spotting soldiers, not armed soldiers, but soldiers nonetheless, uh, in amongst the crowds of protesters, suggesting that uh, there was a budding military component to this. Uh, and Sarkisian, I, I guess, saw the writing on the wall and decided to resign before things really got out of hand. This doesn't change very much about Armenia's government. For one thing, he's being replaced, at least on an interim basis and probably on a permanent basis, by his predecessor as prime minister, Karen uh Karapetian. I'm sorry, I'm butchering this name. Armenian names are not my thing. Uh, but uh, he was Sarkisian's prime minister, last prime minister, uh, before they made this switch. And he was out of a job, of course, because Sarkisian wanted uh, his job. Uh, but he's now back uh, as prime minister, which means basically that the ruling establishment is unchanged. They're just swapping out sort of the public face uh, of that ruling establishment. Uh, Sarkisian remains the leader of Armenia's Republican Party, which is the dominant uh, ruling party in Armenia. And and at, in that job, uh, you'll hear Dan say this, actually, uh, again, toward the end of our interview. Uh, he, he can run Armenia in that job informally. I mean, he won't have formal authority to do anything, but he has so much personal uh stroke within or power within the the party uh that he can virtually run the country from behind the scenes uh just from his perch from his uh party boss perch uh so you know this doesn't really change that much about the way armenia operates and it's unclear in fact that this is going to be enough to kind of appease the protesters and, uh, you know, send them back home. Uh, that remains to be seen. And uh, But I, I, I did want to come in and uh, tell you before we got into the, the show uh, that this happened uh, after we recorded. And so you'll get to the end of the, the podcast and we'll talk about this thing uh, that's to some extent been overtaken by the news. And I apologize for that. Uh, but now you know. Uh, so you won't be confused later on. Uh, thanks. Uh, now we'll go to the interview. Okay, so I'm here with Dan, and uh, we're going to talk about the Armenians, which is exciting for me because, uh, as I said in the intro to the show, uh, when you study Middle Eastern history, you get kind of, uh, you hear about the Armenians like in little tiny snippets and episodes, like they pop up uh, in Egypt at one point, and then they pop up uh, in 
the Crusader period at one point, and then they pop up in Iran later on, and it's you don't really get a coherent picture of what was happening. Uh, but Dan is going to be able to to tell us what was going on with the Armenian communities throughout the Middle East uh, over this period, and uh, we'll get into uh, we'll take it all the way up to the present day and talk about you know how Armenian communities in places like Syria and Turkey are. Uh, are doing uh, given the dysfunction of the Middle East pretty much in general. Uh, so Dan, thanks for being here and uh, yeah thanks for having me. Uh, I'm, I think this will be a real treat for people. Everybody's interested in kind of uh, the minority communities of the Middle East so this will be a, it, a real treat. It for is, yeah it, it, it does seem like that I mean I, I mean you know being Armenian myself I, I, I don't mind but it does always seem like seem like coverage coverage kinds of kind of focuses on on, on those uh, on those type of things. <laughs> well it's and it's you know more I think prevalent in people's minds today because you hear about other minority communities, not necessarily the Armenians so much, but you hear about you know the Yazidis being uh, horribly brutalized by ISIS, and there's this t- sense of, I think, um, peril that a lot of these communities are under right now because of the state of things in the region. So it's heightened everybody's interest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you know, I mean, that's you know, that's kind of that's kind of the you know moving around because of you know like different events are kind of like the story of the story of the Armenian people pretty much, you know, I mean, we're all over the place. <laughs> well, so let's talk about that. And I, I think, um, I want to kind of leave this open-ended so you can go back as far as you feel comfortable. Uh, but we know that there are, uh, sizable Armenian communities in the Middle East in places like Lebanon, Syria, Iran, um, that have been there for a, a very long time. And I think uh, you can go all the way back to uh, ancient times, actually. And, you know, there are Armenians in these places. Uh, and there are all other communities in, in more distant places, like Egypt. And, uh, you know, there's some small Armenian communities in a lot of the Gulf states. What, you know, where did, how did they come up out of the, the Caucasus, basically, and wind up in all these different places? Well, I mean the 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 first the first communities spread over. I mean the the Armenians, you know, they kind of the first, you know, kingdoms and and you know you know the people that you know came to be identified you know as Armenians were were originally in, uh, you know the 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 highlands like you said, and then the eastern Anatolia area, uh, and then um, you know there was there was times when there were different different kingdoms and stuff like that. You know during um, you know before the um, uh, before the uh, uh, the uh, they were like a the Arantid dynasty was kind of a vassal of Persia around around the 600 you know 300 BC era uh, and then it eventually became an independent kingdom so that was like the first the first Armenian uh, Armenian kingdom uh, and uh, and and then most Armenians at that time were Zoroastrian and and uh, so I mean, they started. You know, they that was that was when they first kind of started. You know, spreading around. Um, uh, you know, during that era, and then you know the next the next kingdom, the the Artaxiad dynasty, uh, around you know 190 BC up to up to you know the the beginning of AD. Because at that point, it was when they actually had the most uh, most territory. So uh, the Armenian 
kingdom there. I mean, at that at that time, under you know Tigranes the Great was uh, was part of Mostern, Eastern and Central Turkey, Northwestern Iran, down to Syria and Lebanon. So I mean, they you know they kind of for a, you know very brief time ruled that ruled that entire area. So Armenians kind of you know I mean after after. Uh, uh, they, you know, they were feuding with with Rome and things like that. So you know, eventually, eventually, you know that you know they got taken over. But you know that at that point, Armenians just had spread around as like merchants and things like that, and kind of just just stayed stayed in that area. I mean, so that that was kind of the beginning of right. It. There's the if you look at the map of Tigranes Kingdom, I mean, that's basically where most of the Armenian communities in in the region now are located right i mean it's it's there's been they've had a lot of staying power in that area yeah yeah and i mean before um yeah i mean before that or i mean after that i mean and so so you know after that eventually you know they he kind of he kind of feuded feuded with rome and and uh uh, you know, they uh, eventually kind of became a, a buffer state, uh, you know, between between Rome, the Roman Empire, and then it was the the Parthian at that time, right? Uh, yeah, that would have been Parthian and then Sasanian. Uh, but yeah, that, right. I mean, it would have been Parthian for part of that time, I think. Yeah, and then at one point, uh, uh, Mark Antony uh, had had invaded and then put his. Put his six-year-old son on the on the throne of Armenia. So, oh my I mean, god, I yeah. see. I didn't know. At that. One, <laughs> yeah. So at one point, at one point, the Romans installed a six-year-old, nice. uh, six-year-old as our king, which must have been pretty, you know, which must have been pretty annoying <laughs> to have to. Have to yeah, I would imagine that didn't go over too well. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, there at, at that time, I mean, it was just it was constantly going, you know, going back when when the Sasanids occupied, it would just. It it just would go back and forth, back and forth between the Sasanids and the Romans, and then you know eventually the Byzantines. Um, um, but yeah, then and then you know they kind of you know feuded for a while, and then and then the Turks uh, the Turks had come in, um, you know, going back and forth between them and 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 the Byzantines, and eventually, of course, we know that that the the Turks like took over uh, took over the whole uh, the whole area eventually. Right. So, talk. I mean, what what happened to Armenia uh, when the Arabs came through, right? Armenia, as you said, had been this uh, buffer between Rome and Persia, and they kind of went back and forth and fought wars over succession, you know, successions in Armenia a couple of times. And then all of a sudden, like, the whole thing is upended, and the Arabs come sweeping through the Middle East and up into the Caucasus. I mean, they get into the Caucasus fairly mm-hmm. early on, like in the in the seventh eighth century. What what happens then? Uh, yeah. So I mean, they they kind of um, you know they kind of they they you know they kind of they ruled. I mean, they conquered the country. I think it was. Uh, I have to look that up. I didn't remember which ca- which caliph it was, but. Uh, it, it was um, yeah. It became a province called Armenia or, or Armin, Armenia uh, under the uh, well, I don't know which caliphate that was, but um, but yeah. I mean there was I mean there was there was different parts of Armenia. Um, you know within um, uh, you know within uh, the Byzantine Empire uh, and um, but yeah. I mean under under the um, uh, but yeah. I mean when they took it over, it was uh, the. Um, uh, I'm looking at this. Khalid ibn Walid. Uh, yeah, so that's. I mean, that's really early on. He was, uh, you know, 
uh, one of their first great generals. Yeah, and then um, so so yeah, I mean they, you know, uh, they they caught they they captured. I I don't actually I haven't actually heard much about what what it was what it was like under that. I mean they were still Armenia was Christian at that time, um, but but you don't really you don't I haven't really heard that much about what it was what it was like under under the Arabs until uh, uh, you know we don't I don't really hear that much until the. Um, until the the Turks actually actually take the Seljuks. Okay. So, um, yeah. So, ta- well, okay. So let's fast forward then a little bit to the uh, the eleventh century is really when the Turks show up and mm-hmm. conquer. They they win the Battle of Manzikert and push their way into Anatolia, and that must have been. Uh, incredibly disruptive for the Armenians, right? Who are lose their their big ally in the terms of the Byzantines, and have this new people come just kind of swarming through the Western Caucasus and Eastern Anatolia. Talk about what what that meant. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it, 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 uh, they a lot of the time uh, when I was you know doing some research on this, the Armenians had actually. Worked with uh, worked with the Georgians, uh, and there were constant, you know, skirmishes and things like that. Um, you know, fight, and there, and it was, you know, there was a lot, of, a lot of different, different little fiefdoms and, and things like that in that time. So it was, it was, it was really, uh, it was really, you know, kind of scattered and 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 everything like that. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, uh, I mean, Armenia basically after that was ruled, um, except for you know a little kingdom in in uh, Kalikia. Uh, Calicia uh, was, you know, ruled until uh, by other people until you know the 1990s, or I mean, until the, like the the first Armenian Republic, so like for another thousand years. So I mean, that was kind of the end of independent independent Armenia for a very long time. Right. The the Seljuks move in, and uh, there. That's one of the interesting things about this, though, is that there's. Uh, I don't know who these guys were. Maybe you can talk about this, but uh, there's some group of Armenian nobles and uh, who move south to Cilicia, which is the area kind of southern Anatolia and around the corner of the Mediterranean Sea, and they found yeah, a so whole th- new kingdom. Basically, I mean, it, it doesn't. It only lasts a couple of centuries, but it's a brand new Armenia, basically. Yeah, it's a that, that was it was really interesting because because yeah it was kind of like very very uh, very influenced by by uh, uh, Europe like the Europeans uh, so they had and and they had close ties with with the with the the Crusaders and things like that and uh, and yeah I mean they for for a very small state they had they had a lot of power because I mean. Uh, you know they were one of the only one of the only Christian uh, Christian kingdoms in in that uh, in that area. So yeah, I mean when I was when I was looking at this, I mean there was they had they had ties with with the Pope with the with the Byzantines. You know like like everybody um, everybody so everybody was was kind of kind of wanted you know to to work with them and, and kind of they you know were interested in their uh, you know in their in their influence and things like that. So yeah, I mean they they were. Um, uh, they were they were kind of stayed stayed there until uh, I was I think around the uh, thir- the mid 1300s and then eventually the uh, eventually the, that was it was taken over at that time but yeah I mean it was it was basically a European a little European kingdom in the middle of in the middle of the Middle East 
but I mean, they weren't from Europe, right? They were they were from there. That wasn't like the Crusaders. So it was kind of an organic, right? Yeah, little like European influence kingdom I mean, it, in the middle of what's now Turkey. Almost another one of the Crusader kingdoms, basically. It, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it was it was that whole. You know, they used like. It was, you know, they, they had like knights and things like that. And a lot of Armenians now look back, look back on that kind of, kind of fondly, um, fondly. Really? Is know, that, so that's whole. a, like, that's a period that's, gets a lot of play in, in Armenia now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, a lot, of, a lot. Of, I mean, when you read Armenian history, uh, it's it's you know, I mean, it's something people are very proud of because at that time, it was a time when Armenia had had a lot of a lot of influence, like in Europe at large, and due to their due to their position, and and uh, so yeah, I mean, they were you know, it was it was a time when when we had a lot of a lot of power and, and influence. So a lot of people look back look back fondly on that because you know, right now we're kind of a small country who you know doesn't doesn't really I mean we're kind of more influenced by what what the larger states do but then at that time we kind of were you know, we had our own influence in the world so it was kind of kind of cool to look back at that I don't know I, I don't know how familiar you are this actually is a little bit uh, we have to double back a little bit but under the Fatimid dynasty in Egypt uh, there two of their um, most powerful viziers were actually Armenian. Um, there was a guy named Badr al-Jamali, uh, and they were uh, they were Muslim. I mean, they were converts, but but they were Armenian by ethnicity. Uh, and in the like eleventh and twelfth centuries, uh, he and his son, and I'm trying to remember, his son was named uh, uh, Al-Afdal. And they kind of became, I mean, they rose through the ranks, you know, or they came in and uh, like became viziers and kind of reinvigorated the dynasty at a time when the the Fatimids were uh, flailing around a little bit. Um, And and there's still to this day uh, a community in Egypt, an Armenian community in Egypt, which is a little further afield than some of these other places. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you know more about these guys than I do, and you want to you could talk about them. But. Well, well, I, I do, I do, I do. I've re- I've read about like Badr al al Jamali. I, I I do I do remember reading about it. I think it was I forget what book it was, but yeah, I mean, you see, if you when you read history of the Middle East, like you always see, you'll always see like Armenians popping up as like as viziers or, or you know advisors or things like that. I mean, and and a lot of them were. Were Muslim converts, but yeah, I mean, you you just you see them you see them uh, all over the place. Uh, we kind of we kind of had a knack for just being in the right place, <laughs> the the right place at the right time, and and I guess I guess you know, being uh, being you know valuable enough to uh, to keep around. And there was there's a big I know historically one of the the roles that these Armenian communities played was was uh, in terms of commerce like they were heavy uh, into trading and they were uh, oftentimes some of the best merchants uh, in yeah yeah exactly I mean were. yeah I mean we're you know there were there were Armenian trading networks all over all over the Middle East um, even in even in India that that was I mean the first uh, the first Armenian uh, newspaper was actually printed. 
uh, in India. Really? Um, by, by, but yeah, by the, uh, by there was an Armenian community of, of merchants there with ties back, you know, to the Middle East wow. and, and the Ottoman Empire at that time. So, so yeah, I mean, that was where the first, uh, that was where the first, it was, you know, I think it was kind of like a, uh, like a like a like a business journal or, or some type of thing like that, but yeah, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll send you the article. It was pretty interesting, but yeah, I mean that's uh, um, there there's networks that kind of just just spanned you know spanned everywhere, much like you know much like other you know merchant uh, merchants had like back then. Um, so one of the places that and we're kind of moving closer to uh, more modern times, but one of the uh, strongest Armenian communities in the region was in Iran, or I, it may still be in Iran. I don't know. You can talk about that. Yeah, Iran. I mean, they still have. I, I, I think. I think it's. Yeah, I think between. I think that they definitely. I mean, I was. They have like what, seventy thousand to. 200 the 200,000 are the estimates of the army. I, uh, 200,000 sounds a little high, but yeah, I mean, Armenians are. Uh, I mean, they've, you know, because like in north, uh, what, northwestern Iran, I mean, there's there's Armenian monasteries and churches that are, you know, hundreds of years old. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they were, you know, even in the, uh, um, uh, during, you know, the, what was it called? Um, you know, the, what, the first, the first republic and things like that. And the Armenians, uh, Armenian guerrillas kind of during the, the conflicts of the Ottoman Empire would kind of go back and forth over the border, you know, to, and, you know, to get safe, you know, safe haven, ha safe haven in Iran and, and things like that. So, I mean, they were always kind of just going back and forth. Um, there's an episode, for example, under, during the Safavid period in Iran where um, they basically... Uh, like he basically shanghai's uh, a bunch of armenians uh, shah abbas uh, who was the ruler mm -hmm. of iran in the early 1700s or 17th century he just like ropes you know a couple hundred thousand i think it was armenians and forcibly yeah, relocates I mean, them uh you know further into iran basically like away from the border with the turks yeah, so he they were they were deported like to to like he brought them in, which was kind of interesting because I guess he wanted to use them as like you know kind of as like an economic uh, like an economic engine in the area because we were you know good at you know good at you know trading and things like that. But yeah, he just grabbed a bunch of us and, and plunked us down, uh, <laughs> plunked us down in, in Isfahan. Was it? I mean, was that a, a you you don't hear about sort of. There are all these cases of people being sort of forcibly relocated from place to place by emperors uh, in the in Middle Eastern history, but you don't really hear about what happened to them so much until modern times. Like, how dis disruptive was that uh, for the people who were who were forced to go to Isfahan? Well, I mean, it's. Uh, it, I mean, it had to be right because they were. He was just trying to. He was just trying to clear out, clear out his uh, his front lines with, uh, you know, with the um, with the Ottoman Empire. So he just, you know, he wanted to. He wanted to make like a what, like a no man's land or something like that. So I mean, yeah, I mean, but obviously it was probably disruptive. But I mean, that's that's kind of the story. That's kind of our story. Is just like, just you know, being moved down from. You know, you see that. You know, with the Syrian civil war, the, a lot of the Armenians that that are leaving Syria originally went there to escape the genocide. We can get to that later, but I mean, it's just kind of the story of we're always, always kind of you know being moved around, not by not by choice. 
Well, okay, so yeah, the 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 episode that people are most familiar with, I think, in terms of Armenians in the Middle East, is is the Armenian genocide. So, um, if you could talk about kind of how the Armenians, what what life was like for the Armenian community in the empire in sort of its earlier centuries, and then what happened to cause uh you know th- things to turn so badly that that it wound up you know culminating in in the genocide i mean like by by and large for a, a large a large part of it you know i mean the life you know wasn't wasn't that bad i mean they had you know they had um they didn't have to serve in the army they had they were most of them were pretty prosperous you know prosperous merchants and, and things like that they had to pay you know they had to pay their you know their their tax their their tax for for being christian and, and so on but i mean for a large part of it they were like a valued member of of uh, you know a valued community they called them uh they called them millet y sadika or the loyal millet so they you know even when you know when the uh, the Balkans, uh, when the Balkans and the and the Greeks and everybody were rebelling. I mean, Armenians by and large until the end were kind of kind of complacent and and you know didn't didn't want to kind of rock the boat so to speak. And uh, I mean that all I mean it all obviously all changed. You know you know during um, I mean there was you know there was always incidents, but I, I think it started it started to get bad during you know Abdul Abdul Hamid's rule uh, and. So what happened was there was a group of, of reformers uh, in the Ottoman Empire called the Committee for Union and Progress, and so like basically they. Um, hold on one second. Sorry about that. Okay, so they um, uh, they kind of wanted to reform reform the empire because they they were kind of seeing how they were influenced by Europe and things like that, and they were seeing how stagnant things were, and they wanted to uh, they wanted to kind of uh, reform it and. And uh, you know, make it more kind of kind of modernized. And, and a lot of Armenians at that time were, you know, were like, yeah, that's great because after the massacres and things like that, they kind of wanted, you know, they thought maybe if we get constitutional reforms and things like that, it'll kind of improve, you know, it'll improve our status um, within the empire, and uh, and you know, kind of you know, improve our improve our living conditions. And, and now, you know, when there was you know massacres and things like that, I mean, they were they were kind of hoping reforms would stop that. And the Young Turks. You know, worked with them, and then at this time there were there were different Armenian uh, kind of kind of uh, revolutionary groups and and you know community groups like the uh, the Armenian Revolutionary Federation and the uh, and the Hunchakyan and the Ramgovar group, and they uh, and especially the uh, especially the Armenian Revolutionary Federation, which I kind of have a soft spot for because my my whole I mean my whole family was was involved in in, in that group. Uh, so they worked closely with uh, with the young with the young Turks to um, you know because they thought you know well we're going to work together on this we're going to uh, reform the empire and then Armenians will you know have a have you know kind of better better status and, and more rights and things like that uh, and then it just kind of uh, it just kind of all went south and they they had started out like the Armenian Revolutionary Federation was more militant at first wasn't it before they. Uh, you know, kind of came to some. They kind of had some, found some common ground with the the CUP. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they they would you know there were they would kind of you know kind of they were kind of do vigilante type actions in the east, uh, and you know you know go after people who who you know like robbed you know robbed Armenians and things like that. They did they did a couple like you know bombings and things like that and. 
in uh, in Istanbul. Um, but yeah, I mean, eventually they kind of uh, they kind of worked. Uh, I mean, when when Abdul Hamid was cracking down on the on the CUP, I mean, there was a close enough relationship that. And I I, I read this in in a book, and I couldn't remember which one it was. And I was looking for it today, and I couldn't find it. But either Talat or Enver. Pasha was actually hidden from the police in the house of, of uh, an uh, ARF guy uh, when when the uh, when the uh, when police were kind of cracking kind of cracked down on, on the CUP. Oh, so they were work- if it was Enver, they, they were- really <laughs> they sh- they shouldn't have hit him. <laughs> they were better. Yeah, off. no, it was one of the, it was one of the yeah it was one of the bigger ones, but I couldn't find which one it was. Oh, but man. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean they worked very closely together, and and during the you know during the revolution, uh, I mean, uh, you know they kind of uh, the CUP kind of used uh, used the uh, the ARF in the in the villages to kind of you know to kind of keep everybody in line. You know they kind of just wanted them to you know just keep things calm and you know we're gonna you know we're gonna take care of you just just you know just make everyone chill you know like that. And so yeah, I mean at that time they worked they worked uh, they worked kind of hand in hand. So, what happened then? Like, what what caused? Because things went south pretty quickly during World War One, and I I know the, um, you know the there was, um, some of it had to do with losses that the Turks suffered to the Russians in the Caucasus, and there were Armenians who were living in the Russian empire you know armenia was sort of split at this point between uh parts the parts that were still ottoman and the parts that were uh under the russians and some armenians in on the russian side of the border basically helped you know guide the russian armies through the mountains and uh into anatolia but uh what wound up happening was uh the empire and especially enver pasha blamed the empire the ottoman armenians for for colluding with the russians it was was there uh what else was there was going on there because it, I, it wasn't just that but that was one of the immediate triggers of the genocide but there was more to it than that yeah i mean the the kind of uh the, the, there was kind of a change in thinking of the cup where they they kind of became more uh, uh less less kind of like you know less less type of they sort of changed their, their they sort of changed their ideology to more like mil, like Turkish nationalists as opposed to like Ottoman nationalist. So so you know they they kind of didn't feel like they could work with the work with the Armenians. They thought the Armenians are gonna they're gonna use these reform. Where at first they you know they thought the you know, reforms are gonna help everybody. Eventually they said they're gonna use these reforms to uh, you know to to you know break away from the Armenian. They're already talking to the Europeans. You know they're. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna, you know, break up the Ottoman Empire. So, so you know, they they started getting more and more hostile, uh, hostile to them. And yeah, like you said, I mean, during during World War One, a lot of Armenians on the Russian side were kind of working with uh, working with people on the. Uh, uh, they were kind of doing like cross border, you know, skirmishes and, and raids and things like that. And a lot of the Ar- the Ottoman Armenians were, you know, not happy about this because you know they were the ones that kind of that kind of had to suffer, and then the guys would you know just go right back into you know go right back into Russia, uh, and yeah, I mean eventually uh, you know eventually the uh, they kind of the, the policies kind of started to crack down. I mean, the uh, the Ottomans started these labor battalions where they uh, where they conscripted uh, conscripted all these Armenians into these battalions, unarmed battalions. So 
you know, they couldn't defend themselves. They used them as, you know, to, you know, to do like build rail, like, you know, railroad stuff and things like that. Um, but yeah, they, they, they kind of, yeah. And, and so, so they, they transferred because a lot of our, I mean, I think at, at that time, uh, uh, they, uh, they, they kind of, if they were, they, if they were enlisted, they would, they would, they would kind of move them out of, move them out of an armed unit to these labor battalions where they were unarmed. So it was kind of a, a way to get everybody like, uh, you know, get everybody in these groups. And then eventually the, you know, gangs would just execute them, you know, execute them all. But yeah, I mean, this was, this was kind of the first, one of the first kind of premeditated strategies, you know, to, to, um, you know, to, to, you know, to do, um, to do away with the Armenians. Um, there's actually a, a battle. The I I wrote about this on the blog. The Battle of Sarakamish, which happens in 1915, and Enver Pasha took direct com- command of the Ottoman military in this campaign where he was going to invade Russia through the Caucasus, and they were wiped out. I mean, it was such a a, a bad. <laughs> he made up such a bad battle plan that they yeah, went up getting the wiped weather out. was terrible right. yeah half of like a third of his army was killed just by the the weather and then the russians slaughtered the rest of them basically and he got back to istanbul and <laughs> basically said uh it was the armenians fault i didn't i'm yeah. not to blame it was the armenians and this was like one of the immediate triggers of the the massacre that he you know uh, came back and pointed his finger anywhere but him, basically, and he found, you know, he landed on the Armenians. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that that was, that. I mean, yeah, it was a massive, massive loss, and, and you know, and, and then there were, there were like, Young Turk, uh, you know, Young Turk newspapers and things like that got more and more, uh, more and more, you know, anti-Armenian, and, and you know, I mean, it was, it, it it got really bad, and then I mean that leads to uh, you know I mean that that eventually leads to um, the um, uh, you know the April twenty fourth next week, which is the day that you know they always recognize as the Armenian genocide anniversary, uh, when they uh, when they when they kind of rounded up the uh, the Armenians and uh, you know intellectuals and and you know community leaders in uh, in uh, April uh, on April twenty fourth. Uh, so yeah, that was that was kind of the the day that everyone recognizes. What are the? I mean, this is a maybe too broad a question, but um, you know, how much uh, does the genocide continue to sort of inform Armenian identity today? Oh, I mean, it's 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 every. I mean, it's it's not it's not everything, but it's it's just a huge part because it's just like a big. Uh, just a big kind of kind of gaping wound because there's no real there's no real closure there's no I mean you know there is no uh, there's no reconciliation uh, with with Turkey I mean it's and, and and it shocks even me is just how how like how how kind of deep the the hatred still is so there I mean I mean in Turkey like now I mean calling some like implying somebody is, is of Armenian descent is like a huge a huge insult like Erdogan Erdogan you know said they called me an Armenian they called me a Georgian like about his about his his enemy I mean it's oh just, yeah and they I mean and, they've tried to call Gulen an Armenian <laughs> like a couple of times like a like a closet Armenian basically is a is an insult yeah so it's 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 disconcerting and and there is there is kind of some moves some moves there I mean I I think 
uh, uh, maybe like a, what a couple years ago, the Turkish government said something where they kind of said it was unfortunate what happened, which I guess is a step. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just and just the fact that the reason that that uh, the reason that most of us, you know, in the diaspora are where we are. Uh, is because of it, you know, I mean, it's it kind of informs it kind of informs everything. I mean, my family was from uh, grandparents uh, grandfather's side was from uh, Vaughn and uh, grandmother's side was from um, Diyarbak here. So they they eventually fled and, and I believe uh, I mean, they, they I mean, they kind of ended up in Egypt and that's where that's where my family came here from. Um, you know, or, um, you know, I had a, a great uncle who, uh, who was a, a genocide survivor. He was from, uh, Marash, I believe. And he, uh, he told, he remembered, so he told me he, he they walked for, uh, I mean, just miles and miles and miles, uh, you know, as part of, uh, as part of like kind of a, you know, kind of a procession, like basically a death march. But eventually, I think he made it to Lebanon, and missionaries took care of him. He grew up in an orphanage in, in Lebanon, uh, and uh, I mean, yeah, everybody. If you if you go back far enough, um, well, they'll you know tell you a story like it would be my great great grandparents. Um, but yeah, I mean, every, I mean, it's everybody has a has kind of a story in their family of how they ended up to where they are. So, one of the side issues, you know, where. Uh, along with the way that the the genocide and its treatment has affected uh relations between armenians and turks uh there's also controversy about the role that the kurds played in the genocide if you maybe you could talk about that and talk about what relations tend to be like between armenians and kurds nowadays is there still uh, you know, sort of a tension there, or because they're both kind of uh, badly treated by the Turkish, by the Republic of Turkey, you know, is there some commiseration to it? Yeah, I mean, so, so you know, when the genocide happened, a lot of the kind of hatchet men, so to speak, were, uh, were kind of Kurdish, uh, Kurdish tribes in the area. So a lot of Armenians were uh, taken in, uh, you know, like the women and children were kind of taken as wives or, or, or things like that. I mean, there's still like, there's, I mean, the estimates kind of vary, but there's still, I mean, some people say there's almost like a hundred thousand, what they call them hidden Armenians in Turkey who, that are just kind of starting to come out of the shadows and find out that, find out that they were, uh, that they were Armenian. Uh, so yeah, I mean, at, at the time, I mean, they, they, you know, I mean, the Kurds at the, they, they did, they did a lot of the kind of the dirty work on the ground, um, and uh, and you know, a lot of the massacres, and you know, took you know, took a lot of the homes and and and, and assets and, and things like that. But yeah, now uh, now relations are, are very very good because I mean, the HDP party uh, in Turkey, uh, there's there's Armenian members in it. Uh, they. I think they I think they actually even apologized for the Kurdish role in the in the Armenian genocide. So I mean now yeah, I mean now I mean I guess yeah, I mean I relations are about about as as good as they can be. I I think I think I I remember uh, O'Colin o uh, actually when he was on the run, I think he was maybe he was in Armenia or the Turks thought he said he was in Armenia just to just cuz they were angry about it, but he he was he was there for a little bit until he went to went to Syria, I think, but I mean, yeah, no, now, now relations are, are very good. I mean, the, the Armenians, most of the Armenians in, 
in Turkey, I think, support HDP party, um, except for there's one guy who, uh, who is, uh, who is in the uh, AKP, who is, uh, uh, he was, he's an AKP MP. Oh my God, really? And he, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And his, he, he actually, he said, he said that the Jews were behind the Armenian genocide. Oh, of course, of course. Which is a theory I've heard from, from, uh, from Armenians before that, that they they kind of you know manipulated the, the Turks uh, into doing it uh, to I don't know something you know it's just one of it's just a kind of standard anti-Semitic conspiracy with like an interesting twist you know <laughs> wow okay I yeah haven't heard but that. yeah there is Jesus there is an Armenian AKP MP which is very very hard for me to understand but I mean you know I mean I guess yeah there's everybody. one one of everybody right. Yeah, but yeah, no. Most Armenians in in our, in, in Turkey, I be- believe, support the uh, uh, support, you know, or or one of the more moderate parties, if it, if not the HDP. Okay. Um. And so, I, the other big thing, I mean, now that we're in in the modern day, you know, up to modern times, um, talk about what's been going on with. Uh, the Armenians in Syria during this. Yeah, I mean, so, so, yeah, so I mean, you know, uh, Armenians have had a long, very, very long presence, uh, presence in in Syria, uh, in in Aleppo, uh, Aleppo especially. I mean, there there was there was communities there. I mean, when uh, they kind of uh, during the kind of the pilgrimage routes of of. Uh, you know, going down to going down to Jerusalem, there was there was Armenian, uh, there was like an Armenian. I mean, there's been an Armenian quarter there. Uh, you know, probably since uh, probably since um, I mean, like a thousand years or something like that. But um, but yeah, so I mean, there there was uh, the population at one time of of uh, I mean, Aleppo was I mean, I think two hundred. There was yeah, around a hundred a hundred thousand. Um, at one time, and, and most of those were in Aleppo. I mean, some obviously in, in other cities. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, it's eventually after the war started. Um, uh, there's kind of some there's some estimates where there's only like there's only like fifteen to twenty five thousand Armenians left in in Syria. Uh, most went to Lebanon. Here, I mean, here here to Montreal. I think my aunt's very involved with the community here, and she said they got. Uh, around 200 like Armenian families from Syria here, just here in Montreal alone, uh, that they enrolled in the Armenian, they enrolled their kids in the Armenian school and and things like that. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it's 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 sad because I mean, I know I know a lot of I know a lot of Armenians from uh, from Syria and and you know they they all kind of I mean Aleppo is you know one of the most beautiful you know the beautiful city most beautiful cities in the world they they say. Uh, and uh, and yeah, I mean they they're kind of they're kind of in a rough position because uh, I mean a lot of them you know kind of you know kind of support the government obviously because um, because you know the rebel there a lot of the rebel groups uh, you know don't don't have much use for them. not just because they're, uh, they're not just because they're Christian but because a lot of them were known you know to support the government so they you know they would kind of view them with suspicion. Uh, I mean, there was there was a town. Uh, there's a town on the Turkish border in Latakia, uh, Kesab, uh, that was um, that was you know kind of taken over. There was this was kind of this was kind of when a lot of people started to a lot of Armenians started to notice. I think Kim Kardashian tweeted about it. 
the the rebels there was rebels that kind of were going back and forth between the Turkish border and and kind of took over uh, took over the town and and you know kind of eventually I guess the Syrian army took it back over and uh, and the Armenians came back but yeah I mean at that at that I mean a lot of a lot of the Armenians kind of see that happening uh, see what happened there and be like oh man you know it's happening all over again you know so. Oh. And then so a lot of them, you know, fle- had to, you know, had to flee yeah. ag- again, even though a lot of them were rural refugees event- originally from the genocide. So it's, it's, a, it's kind of a depressing, depressing situation. And the same thing on a smaller scale happened. I mean, Iraq, Iraq had a, a large Armenian population, but a lot of them had left during the, uh, during the Iraq war. Uh, of course, and and uh, what I mean, what what didn't leave? I mean, a lot of them left during the the recent, you know, the, the ISIS you know, ISIS conflict and like that. Even though most of them were based in Baghdad, but there was still a community in Mosul. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of those obviously, you know, got the hell out of there like as quickly as possible. Yeah. So I well, so what about the the community in Baghdad? I mean, are they still there, or have they also, you know, tended to try and get out of Iraq? I, I, I think or? it is. Let me let me see. I, I know it's not I know it's not big at all. Um, let me see here. Let me find the current population here. So yeah, well they say they say around ten thousand. So okay. it's more than I thought actually. Ten ten to fifteen thousand. Um, but yeah, I mean um, yeah, mostly uh, mostly mostly in, in Baghdad, and I, I guess maybe some went back to Mosul now since the. Iraqi government took it back over, um, but yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it's it's kind of it's a rough situation. I mean there, a lot of them, you know. I mean there was a lot in, in Lebanon to begin with. Now there's even more in in Lebanon connected, you know, obviously to the larger influx of, of Syrian refugees. Sure. <clears throat> and uh, and yeah, I mean it's I always kind of because. When you're talking about the Armenian genocide, you know that uh, some every Armenian kind of knows is is Derazor, which was kind of like our you know it was kind of like our uh, our I guess I guess you could say it was one of our like Auschwitz right because it was the end the end destination for a lot of those death marches through the desert. Uh, it was just uh, it's you know it's where it was where the the you know the final stop was. There was you know there was just huge huge massacres there. Uh, in, in Deir Azor, uh, and then of course um, uh, when ISIS took it over, they there's a, a kind of a memorial. Rock. I think uh, Fisk did a, a good article about it where uh, he there's an Armenian uh, genocide memorial uh, church there that of course as soon as ISIS like you know took took over they you yeah. know like bombed it and uh, yeah it's it's just uh, it's it's they, yeah I mean it's people that there are Armenians that live there I mean they it, it was must have been horrifying because I mean that's that was I mean, so much there's you know bones you know bones and, and things buried there uh, from the genocide and it was happening happening all over well, right so, yeah I mean, it's, it's just, just like it's just an area with so much so much like like trauma and, and destruction. exactly yeah I can't I can't even imagine I mean, the you know as you say it must have been just like you know this is all happening over again like you know how can we why does this keep happening to us basically um what about uh what about the armenians in iran what's what's life like for armenians in iran nowadays under the islamic republic Uh, well i mean a lot of them i mean they they you know they mostly i mean i think i think most armenians we we're kind of we kind of get along where where we 
where we live don't don't really make don't really make waves i mean there's there's armenians uh you know they they kind of they don't kind of I mean, I think they just—they're just—they're just there, and they do the same thing they've done for for hundreds of years, which is live their lives and kind of stay closely inter intermingled with their communities, and and they have like a, I think they have like a, I think Iran gives them like a designated number of seats in parliament, along with like along with Jews and and uh, uh, you know the other other ethnic groups. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure they serve in the army there too. One of the most famous Persian, uh, a really famous Persian singer, uh, Andy, is uh, is Armenian guy. Um, uh, Armenian Armenian Persian is kind of an interesting language because it sounds like kind of sing songy. Uh, like they have they have a certain inflection where you can immediately tell if the person is from Iran uh, when they're speaking Armenian. Uh, they. Yeah, and, and most of most of them, there's a lot of Armenians from Iran in, in L.A. Um, along with you know the kind of you know there's a lot of Iranians at large in L.A. Right, so it kind of follows that there's also a lot of Armenians from Iran there too. Um, but yeah, I mean it's just it's just kind of the story of 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 the same place the same way we are like everywhere. I mean we just kind of they just kind of like live their lives and it, and interestingly enough they're allowed to brew uh, they're allowed to kind of distill and brew alcohol in Iran. Uh, because uh, as long as I guess they don't, you know, sell it to sell it to the Muslims, they're allowed to use it for their own for their own purposes. <laughs> and and also a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Iranians cross the border over to Armenia, uh, like to party during like holidays and things like that, because you know you can you can kind of kind of let your hair down a bit there. Well, and uh, like I think the Armenian government aren't they? I mean, they've got like a. A whole free trade thing zone that they're trying to build on the border with Iran to like increase like they want they want to use they want Iran basically to use Armenia as their corridor into Russia right I mean that's one of yeah. the things that yeah exactly I mean the current the current uh, administration which you know has its own uh, has its own issues right now is is kind of close is is close with uh, with Russia and you know there's I believe two Russian bases there and. Uh, and Iran, yeah, he kind of that they do kind of want to use that, um, yeah, use that as kind of a, a cord, a, like a trade corridor. Yeah, that I remember reading about that about that plan. So okay, now that we're on the subject, uh, this is in our you know getting into Armenia itself, which uh, you know we haven't. I know we haven't really talked about here, but uh, there are uh, we're on like day ten or eleven, I think, of some very heavy protests. Uh, in Yerevan and talk about what's going on there like why why are people protesting and uh, what are the prospects of them getting what they want basically well I mean the 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 president uh, the president uh, uh, Sarkisian uh, he he tried to pull a kind of a thing where uh, you know he's been he's been in power for 10 years or something like that and he's your kind of classic you know, post-Soviet, um, post-Soviet kind of autocrat guy. You know, no real, no real like ideology. Just, just kind of, uh, just kind of, you know, has just kind of keep, wants to keep things running smoothly with him at the top. And uh, and he tried to kind of do the the Putin thing where he's going to move to move to prime minister, uh, and you know, still obviously control everything. And it was just, it just seems like a really, really dumb. Ego-driven move because he had he has enough power in the country that he could have just stepped back and still controlled everything from behind the scenes. Um, but now, well, he he's, actually pushed uh, through like a whole bunch of 
changes to the constitution, right? That that yeah, he changed. turned it into a parliament. Turned it into a parliamentary. He, he system, did the yeah. reverse Erdogan. Uh, Erdogan changed Turkey from a parliamentary system to a presidential one, and uh, Sarkisian did did the opposite, basically. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. And then of course he's going to be the he's going to be the prime minister. So, yeah, I mean the protest. I mean this it was just obviously just a total ego driven move. And the pro there's you know man and the protesters there there's not very I mean there's some there's some that are like your you know pro pro West pro NATO um, that you know the 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 color revolution types and then there's other ones that are just all that narrowly narrow goal of of just getting Sarkeesian to step down like they just enough of this guy you know like you've had you know you've had your thing so the, there's not the protests aren't really aren't really united around uh, I mean, there's there's kind of a, a lot of disparate goals they have but yeah it's he, he if, if there's anything that's going to unite all these people uh, it's going to be that because they they do not they do not want him uh, want him uh, want him uh, in power in power and so yeah I mean it's and he's I mean at this point like he was term limited from the presidency but now i mean he he's he can stay indefinitely right i mean as prime minister yeah yeah exactly i mean that and that's the whole that's the whole idea right he doesn't want to he doesn't want to give up so yeah i mean it's it, it just seems it seems like a dumb move and it's going to cause it's going to cause a lot of trouble so um, yeah I'm, I'm 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 kind of watching it just to see what happens but it's it's not not a good situation okay so my last question and um, without going into any detail about this and maybe maybe if you you know if you're willing we could uh do another episode on the the uh, armenia azerbaijan conflict uh, because that that that's a whole episode unto itself uh but what are uh, what are th- relations like how tense are things right now between armenia and azerbaijan and do you think there's a chance of things escalating in the near future into something worse it's it's kind of the same i mean they kind of they kind of uh they kind of ramped up a bit last year but it's been you know every couple of months there's there's some skirmish you know a, a, i think a drone will kill somebody or or still fire some some mortars or something like that um and it's just been in kind of the same low level low level kind of conflict and then then eventually flares up uh you know periodically flares up and uh, but i don't i don't have any i don't have any uh, I don't. I don't think it's ever gonna. I mean, it's not gonna um, get resolved anytime soon. I think it's just gonna be the same, the same conflict. If there's another war, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not really. Uh, um, I don't know. I'm. I'm just kind of wondering what's gonna happen because I mean, before, during the first war, I mean, Armenia was was very like you know. I mean, they, it was. It, every, I was surprised they they won because they. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, there was a block. The border with Turkey was blockaded. Azerbaijan had much, much. Uh, they they kind of took a much larger share of the Soviet the Soviet weapons that were in the country, and uh, and yeah, but I mean, Armenia. I guess it was. Well, you know, and they're they, getting they, they get looked, weapons from Israel, right? I mean, they have a this it, pipeline to Israel for, or from Israel it, to Azerbaijan. It, it, yeah, yeah. I mean, the suicide drone or whatever. There was like a, a drone that killed that killed an Armenian soldier. Was like an Israeli uh, kind of su- they called it a suicide drone. But yeah, I mean, Azerbaijan and, and Israel have very close, very close ties. And uh, and um, yeah, I mean, it's they're much much. I mean, they have oil, right? Armenia has no oil. Um, and the only kind of thing the thing for Armenia is that, that Russia has the bases there. So. There's some hope that you know that that's why that that's kind of why they stay close to Russia, right? Because 
you know, they want to get you know more advanced weapon systems and things like that that could kind of help them uh, uh, kind of help them defend defend from Azerbaijan. But yeah, as far as the conflict itself, I, I don't, I I just can't see any situation where it's resolved because they're not going to leave uh, they're not going to leave Nagorno Karabakh and, and Azerbaijan is isn't going to stop uh, you know. Uh, wanting, wanting, to take it, it, wanting back. it back. So, yeah. yeah. So I, I can't really see it ever, ever getting resolved. Um, and I, I hope there's not another war. But I mean, I guess, I guess anything, anything can happen. But it seems like it more, it seems like a more uh, a situation where it's kind of like Israel and Lebanon, where the stuff periodically flares up across the border. But I don't think anyone wants like a larger, a larger war for the time being. Okay. Well, Dan, thank you very much for coming on. I think this is very. Uh, interesting stuff for for everybody and uh i uh i hope it was fun for you and <laughs> i always always love talking to armenia <laughs> ever since i was ever since i was a little kid and and uh and uh beaver springs pennsylvania and somebody was like what what kind of last name is that and uh and I, an armenian so i would always explain what armenian was uh something you know i mean it you kind of you kind of know when you meet an Armenian because uh, you know within five minutes they're going to tell you that they're going to tell you they're Armenian. <laughs> so, I mean, we, lo- we we love to talk about ourselves and uh, and I hope it was I uh, hope it was informative uh, for your listeners and thanks for having me. Always nice to talk to a fellow uh, fellow Pennsylvanian. Yeah, here. absolutely, absolutely. The Penguins closed out tonight, so uh, it's pretty good news. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, apologies to any Philadelphia listeners. Um, <laughs> Well, Dan, again, thank you, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I would, uh, if we could do this again sometime and talk about uh, the Azerbaijan conflict and and some of that other, some of the stuff that actually pertains to uh, Armenia itself, and as opposed to the diaspora and the the people, the communities in the Middle East, uh, I uh, I think that would be great. So, yeah, yeah, I'd love to, but yeah, thanks for having me again, and, and talk to you soon. Well, that's it for today. Uh, I want to thank Dan for coming on and talking to us about the Armenians in the Middle East and uh, lots of interesting details there. And it's a it's a rich history, but it's not one that is uh, very commonly told. I think uh, certainly, uh, as I've as I said a couple of times there, with my background, which is in Middle Eastern history, you sort of come across the armenians here and there but you don't really get a full picture of uh, of what was going on with them um so i hope uh, that was enlightening for you guys and uh i'll be back uh later this week and uh, probably if uh you know nothing has gone completely sideways by then uh we'll get back into our discussion of uh nasser and egypt and we'll talk about the 1952 coup and the development of uh, the Egyptian Republic. As always, thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye-bye.